0: Thank you for joining us today at Life Point Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, Life Point Church? How y'all doing today? Come on, everybody. Aren't you glad you came to church on Sunday, somebody? What about this springtime weather? Let's go. Got a little snappy cold this weekend, but we, t- we just kicked right back. We said, not today, devil. Uh-uh, we ain't playing games with that. Talking 60s, that's what I'm after. I had to go up north this weekend. Stephanie and I did a marriage conference in Indianapolis, and it snowed. I rebuked that in Jesus' name and drove back to the south. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody, and uh, thanks for being a part of our services today. If you're new with us, especially, I wanna say a a big greeting to you, LifePoint. Can we just shout the word welcome to our first time guests, everybody? Come on, shout welcome. (laughs) My name's Mike, my wife Stephanie and I are honored to serve as pastors here and wanna say welcome to you. Everyone joining us online, we got folks everywhere. We're so excited for you guys and thankful for you. Also at our Austin P. State University campus, which by the way, today, I'm proud of our campus pastors there, Pastors Jordan and Aaron, and he serves as our chaplain with football team and our baseball team who has a big game today at noon. So to all of our Austin P. baseball players, we wanna honor you guys as well. But let's just say what's up to our whole church family, everybody, we just take a second and do it, come on. We're glad you're here. Welcome, and we wanna ask everybody, if you've not gone through our Next Steps class, that is your next step. It is kind of our history, vision, values, the mission of our church, and we wanna encourage everybody at every campus to go through that class, even online, we wanna make that available to you. Yesterday, we hosted kind of an all-in-one push for that on Saturday. Pastor Willie hosted that with about 70 folks who went through our Next Steps class and are getting connected to our dream team. We just, we want what's best for you. And so we have our systems and, and things set up for you to discover how God's wired you and to discover your place in his church. So if you've not been through our Next Steps class, if you've not joined a team, joined a small group, let's get that done this week. Uh, Quickly, I wanna say thank you for being a generous church. We believe in tithing. We bring our offerings to the Lord. This is from the scripture. The Bible teaches us to bring our first fruits to the Lord. And and throughout the Bible, we see it as a first 10%. And I just wanna encourage you, if this is your home church, be faithful in tithing and bringing that tithe to the Lord. It's an act of worship. It's not a bill, it's a worship to the Lord. And I heard this comment this week at the conference that we were at. Uh, I heard someone say, the key to prospering is found in giving generously, not keeping selfishly. Isn't that a great word, everybody? Like the key to living with prosperity is to live an open-handed, generous, Life, how true is that when you give generously and you give through the Lord through your church you give tithing as a part of that generosity becomes a part of your normal rhythm I was reading uh, this week some just discussion and debate about tithing and it's always Christians who debate this stuff right uh, and and we're de- the, the back and forth and some of the feelings that people have or the theological debates and one of the comments was people say, I just give as my heart leads me to give. I give as I feel in my heart. And the, 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 the response to that was, I don't trust that my heart's always the same. How many of you know sometimes my heart feels super generous and sometimes when the service is bad at the restaurant, all of a sudden I don't feel very generous anymore. Like it's always so conditional on what's going on in my life. If I'm in a good mood or not, if I brought my checkbook or if I want a new pair of shoes or something, like my generosity, if I just follow my heart, that's just not always a good barometer. Anybody else besides? My wife. Anyway, um, <laughs> what, just kidding. What I love about percentage giving, like just here's what I decided in my heart. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, everyone should give as they've decided. Well, I've decided to be a percentage giver. I decided in my heart, I'm gonna tithe. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that comes out of my account every month without, we don't pray about it. We decided prayed about it and decided. And what's great about tithing is it sets the standard for all of us at the same rate. No matter what your income level is, you're not following your heart or your income growth you're just deciding to give out of obedience and the scripture directs us to this tithe. And I'm telling you, it's a way of living a life with generosity. Hey, beyond that, as a church, we do partner with organizations like the Hope Center, D- Mission Discovery, where we're going to Mississippi. And, um, We partner with an organization called Free International and and they are actually one of our first missions partners since I've been pastor here 14 years. Free International works to find rescue and and help find freedom for victims of human trafficking, forced prostitution, et cetera. And during uh, every big major sporting event, human trafficking, forced prostitution, all of that increases in the city uh, where those events are. And every year at the Super Bowl, Free International, and your generosity is part of their funding stream, Free International does a big outreach to whatever city the Super Bowl is in. So I just wanted to let you guys know, uh, Mike Bartell let me know this week that uh, thanks in partnership with you guys, Free International during the Super Bowl in Vegas found 16 teenagers that were caught up in forced prostitution and human trafficking. We got them rescued, we got them the care they need, and your giving helped make that happen. So I don't know if that moves your heart or not, if you want to give according to your heart, but when your giving's making a difference in rescuing kids out of trafficking, that's a great reason to be faithful in your giving. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, hey, I'm excited to preach the fourth message of our Words of Wisdom series. We've gotten a lot out of this series so far. I've loved the camaraderie in the the sermon prep meetings that we have as a pastor's group as we're talking through. And something we've decided to do is actually we're gonna extend this series into the month of March uh, and just continue in the book of Proverbs. And I'm very excited. We'll get to hear from some of our other team, specifically my wife and I are gonna get to preach together, Proverbs 31, which means I'm just gonna sit there and stare at her while she brings it. And uh, I'm excited to get to do that with her in a couple weeks. Uh, by the way, how many of you, this series has just been a blessing to you? You've been encouraged, good. That's my goal is to bless you like, and to encourage you as your pastor. Today we're, we're in week four of the Words of Wisdom series with a talk we've titled Build Your House on words of wisdom. Build your house on words of wisdom. So if you're new to the series, we're looking at the book of Proverbs as a collection of wise sayings and wise words. And how many of you know there are a lot of Proverbs out there and not every wise saying is from the Bible. Like cleanliness is next to godliness. Probably true, and for all you neat freaks, it's just not in the Bible. How many of you know this old proverb? When God closes a door, not in your Bible. <laughs> just- throwing that out there to you guys. So I I wanna encourage you to read your actual Bible and let's learn what the words of God are for us. And uh, as a pastor, I just wanna tell you, I'm talking about building your house. Now I'm gonna use an analogy. If I had like some Legos or some Lincoln Logs, I'd construct for you up here as an illustration, but I'm not really a good illustration preacher. But I am gonna use the analogy of construction and building. In fact, I have had the opportunity over the 14 years of being your pastor. We have grown every year, and we've grown through many phases as a church and I've had the privilege to lead our church through many construction projects, uh, many renovations, office moves, tearing down walls, paint a room, repaint it again. One time we laid carpet in the new auditorium in our Rossview campus and within a month we ripped it up because it was tearing already. Um, We've moved doors, we've bought and given away furniture, we've done small one day projects, we've done one week projects, we've done multi-month projects like our Rossview campus was a year And uh, by the way, I just wanna shout out to our facility team, our campus refresh team, all the people who make this building beautiful and keep it up. And there's a lot of maintenance on this facility now. Speaking of building projects, I've got some news for you. Are you ready? Finally, I have an official break ground green light date. Next Monday, March 4th, we are breaking ground on our Tiny Town Road campus, everybody. Come on, let's shout to the Lord for a second. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I don't know if you know the story of how we we bought the land during COVID. We started putting plans together 182 months ago, 12. And then finally, we are here ready to break ground. So next Monday uh, in the morning, we will have a groundbreaking ceremony. And I have to be careful not to invite everyone. I'm not gonna stop you. The problem is we don't have anywhere to park because we haven't built a parking lot yet. And there are businesses there that would not prefer you to park all over their property. So what we're gonna do is live stream it and we're gonna ask everybody in our church to watch it, share it, pause your morning in the morning at 10 a.m. and just share it on your social media and we wanna go that way. And uh, I'm very excited about that. As soon as we get done with the dirt, the groundbreaking, the the machines will be there and they'll start moving dirt and we will be underway on our brand new campus at Tiny Town Road. By the way, we're also just a little kind of random update. This is kind of cool. Um, But God has given us an opportunity to help with a church revitalization in New York. And so that is a whole new thing. We have a campus in Antioch, Tennessee. We have two locations here in Clarksville, one at Austin P, one here. We're building on Tiny Town. And there's a church in New York that we have been asked to help with renovating and revitalizing. And so there's just some great things the Lord's doing through your church and your giving is making a way for that. So pray for your church, everybody. Can I hear an amen? I love it though. I love building, I love construction. I probably could be a builder if I, if I wasn't doing this. I love the process of seeing nothing dreaming something, drawing that thing, constructing that thing, and then standing in that thing when it's done. Like I remember as the pastor at, at 32 years old, standing in a field out in front of our Rossview campus, and I, I visualized this building that we're sitting in right now. I just, I'm, I'm wired that way. I love to build. It's part of my personality and leadership temperament. One of the things is that process of it's nothing, and then I drew it, and then like I, I literally scratched ideas for this building on a napkin, and then I showed those to an architect engineer. He's like, these are terrible. Anyway, so I, it's just how I'm wired, and I love standing in something and saying, my hope is, as a pastor, to say, God, I've built this thing for you. And listen, I've always been that way. As long as I've been in ministry, as a youth pastor, college pastor, I just like renovating, I like renew doing things. And sometimes it drives people nuts, because I go, hey, we just built that wall, well, let's tear it down and move it, you know? But I do like the process. Anybody like the smell of construction projects? Like, it's a little weird. I see buildings going up downtown Nashville. I like drive off the road staring at them. I think that's great. Cranes, metal, steel, drywall, rivets, hard hats, all that stuff, I think it's great. In fact, I may have trespassed on a few properties Anybody else walk through houses while they're being built in your neighborhood and you look around like, I hope I'm going in. Like, I just love that stuff. I think it's cool. And many of you are builders of your life. All of you are builders of your life. The problem is sometimes we're not intentional builders. When I was a college pastor, we renovated our space where we met as a college group. And uh, we, we had a few hundred young adults, college students. And I had to gut out this room that we were meeting in and put all new sound and lighting and build a sound booth, build a sound booth. And I remember when we got in there, I bought a bunch of wood and I was just kind of put it all together in my head, what we were gonna build and how big it was gonna be. And we got a team together and they were like, where are the plans? I was like, yeah, we're gonna figure it out. I said, if we do right angles and 90 degree corners, we should make it work. That's a true story. We built this thing and it turned into the Ark of Noah anyway. Some of us are building our lives as we go. Some of us are like not really intentional with good plans and good planning. But what if we start thinking of the life we're living as a life we're building, as a house we're building? And I wanna use this analogy of a house because it makes the most sense. We're all good at building a career. We're good at building business, portfolios of of investments. But what about our life under God? What about our family? What about our integrity? What about building a house that we can literally envision today start putting the pieces together and live every day going, no, I'm building something really special here. And one day we'll stand before the Lord and say, Lord, here's the, here's the life I've built to present back to you. See, I think a lot of us don't think with the end in mind. It's actually a wise thought to think with the end in mind, to think backwards from the end. In fact, this is the way I think about my marriage, honestly. Stephanie and I have been married 22 years this summer and I, I've told my kids numerous times, I've told her, it's like, God willing, I wanna be looking at you when I stop breathing. And I've told her before, if you leave me, girl, I'm coming with you. Like I don't understand, Like there's no quit in me on this thing. We've had our highs and lows, ups and downs like anybody else, but I'm committed that the end is my goal and I'm gonna work towards that end. What about the life you're building for God? Could you imagine standing before the Lord one day? Do you think you're just gonna cross this finish line and go, whew, I can't believe I made it? Or what if you could stand before God and go, Lord, I've done everything I could to build this life, to build my family, to present this life that I've lived as best I could as an offering of a life built for you. What if we think about from today forward, looking at the book of Proverbs as a way of building a house for God? How many of you know, if we're gonna build a great house, we have to have a great builder and we have to have great plans? Did Did you know that's important? Like who you choose as a builder is really important? Is this slide moving? Okay, good. If you remember the passage, I've been sharing this all year. I believe it's a word from God for our church. Every Sunday, pretty much, I brought this up. Luke chapter six, verse 46. Watch Jesus give us this parable analogy of a house built. Watch this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Now, you've heard me preach this text every Sunday all year because I believe it's a word from God for our church. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my words and does them, This is the pray, listen, move, the bracelets that we wear, right? I'm gonna come to the Lord, I'm gonna hear from God and I'm gonna do what he says. Look at how he describes that person. He's like a man who builds a house. Isn't that interesting, everybody? We've been seeing this all year long. I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on the rock. And when floods rise and streams break against that house, it couldn't shake it because the house had been well built. Listen, I think, the Lord needs to be the general contractor of our house. How many of you say amen? God is the general contractor of my life. And we need to come to him, listen to his words, do what he says, and then learn to build a life for him and a life under his leadership. So how many of you would agree, God is the greatest general contractor for our lives? And the plans that we should live by should be the plans found in the word of God. Does this make sense to anybody else? So what if we start reshaping the way we think about how we approach life? Instead of I'm just gonna take it one day at a time, I'm gonna do my best to just survive this week and survive this month and survive 2024. No, 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 I'm gonna become a builder, not a survivor. I'm gonna become an architect of some things. I'm gonna let God generally construct my life in a way that I can stand before him one day and present my life to him as a house well-built. Listen, the Lord is our builder. His word is our plans. So let's give a guiding verse for the rest of this talk and then I'm gonna unpack four areas that we wanna build under God. Proverbs 24, verse three and four says, by wisdom, a house is built. Now let's park right here for just a second and go back in time two weeks or three weeks. How do we gain wisdom? Last week I said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? Is wisdom knowing some stuff? Wisdom is the ability to know and apply the things God has for us, right? So the Bible says, by wisdom, the ability to apply the word and will of God, a house is built, watch this. By understanding, this house is established. By knowledge, all the rooms of the house are filled with all pleasant and precious riches. How many of you want your life to look like this verse? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and rooms filled with pleasant riches and blessing. Anybody else want that kind of life? So I want us to think about our whole lives. Wisdom is gonna be our willingness to hear from God and do God's things God's way. I'm excited about this talk. If you'll stay with my building a house analogy and let's decide God's our general contractor, God's word is our set of plans, the book of Proverbs are our ways of wisdom, then let's construct a house. And, and building a house requires many parts. So if you think about building a house, and, and by the way, building a church, this is our second physical church building that we've built. We, we have a campus on Austin P where we are, are tenants of a, of a location that we didn't have to build, but we're building our second permanent building here, and we're gonna be renovating in New York as well. There's so many parts to building a 45,000 square feet church, but let's take it back down to your 1,800, 2,500 square feet house. Think of all the parts of building a house. You've got dirt work, First, you gotta buy the property, otherwise you're a trespasser. But you have dirt work, you have footers, you gotta pour a foundation. How many of you know you can have the best walls, finishings, and furniture, you can have Guy Fieri cooking for you every night in that beautiful kitchen. If you don't have a foundation poured, your house will collapse. You gotta have dirt work, footers, pouring a foundation. Then you frame the house and you want the walls to be plumb, tight and square. Then there's plumbing, electrical, gas, running the, the, the power through the house. There's drywall, mud, there's tape, there's sanding, there's painting, there's trim work, there's cabinetry fixtures, appliances, flooring, furniture, landscaping, indoor, outdoor lighting. If you're real bougie, you've got the motion sensor stuff. Then you gotta get a mortgage. You gotta close on the construction loan. Then you gotta pay your subs and your general contractor. You gotta hire movers or get free in your small group with a pickup to help you move in the house. Then you gotta buy furniture, you gotta put food in the refrigerator and a bowl of lemons, cause the photos. Then there's this building the phase of the house. There's this building phase of the house. Then there's the living phase of the house. How many of you loved building and like seeing it new and now you're living in it? Here's what we, God, what an amazing house. 20 years later, I hate this house. It's the bane of my existence, right? Why? Cause we don't maintain, we don't like to maintain it. Pastor Bo talked a couple weeks ago about our heart being the thing that we have to maintain like checkups on our truck and our house and our vehicles. We have to live in it, we maintain it, we raise a family in it, we grow with the house, we swell, we learn the noises, we repair stuff, replace water heaters, roofs, we add a pool, we have a kid driving to the garage door. There's building a house, then there's living in a house, then there's having a house, then there's maintaining a house, but let's stay on the building side. Let's stay on establishing God's our general contractor. We have some great contractors in our church, in our community. I'm so thankful for the builders in our community. And so to all of you builders, I hope I get this analogy, right? He's the one leading and overseeing the lives we're building for him. And we believe that his word is the set of plans we follow. So i want to give us, we we were working together as a sermon prep team and we had like 10 areas that we're gonna, create an analogy, right? Like, okay, now the, 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 the plumbing of prayer, like we were gonna do all this kind of stuff. And I've whittled it down to four areas for you. They're the main four components of a physical house and they're gonna become the main four components of the house we build for God. The first is we're gonna have a foundation built on trusting in God and faithfulness to God. Trust and faithfulness is a two-way deal. We're, we're, we're gonna trust in the God who's faithful to us and we're gonna live a life faithful to him so he can trust us as well. So we're gonna build foundation. We're gonna pour some footers. I have a good friend, Doug, who is a custom home builder. And one of the things, like he loves to talk about all the finishing and the trim job and the paint that he does, but I love listening to him talk about how much extra time he takes in the foundation of a house. Listen, you've got dirt work, you got footers and pouring, but this foundation is incredibly important. And the foundation that we wanna build is I trust God no matter what, and I will be faithful to God no matter what. Listen to the Proverbs, verse five through eight in chapter three. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This phrase right here is so countercultural to our world because we trust in our government, our bank accounts and ourselves with all of our heart and we don't understand anything that's happening out there, but as long as we understand it, it's where we trust. Listen, that's what's shaping culture and beliefs and practices in schools. It's my understanding, it's my feelings, it's my experience. No, 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 I don't lean on my own understanding. I don't lean on my feelings. I don't lean on what I think. I trust the Lord. Well, the economy is going to pot, I trust God. I don't trust the Fed, I don't trust the bank accounts. Well, the borders are creating a crisis and I see it and I'm nervous about it, but I still trust the Lord to protect my family and to cover us. Lean not on your own understanding. What are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna do about that? I'm gonna trust the Lord. And I'll tell you what I can do. I can't control them, but I can be faithful to the God who I trust in, because I'm gonna trust in the Lord and I'm gonna be faithful to God. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, everything, acknowledge the Lord. Man, our marriage is going a certain kind of way. I'm gonna trust the Lord. We're struggling with communication. Our kids aren't living up to the expectations we have. Hey, we're gonna acknowledge the Lord. We're gonna invite God into our home and our family. We're gonna acknowledge God in all of our ways and he will make our our path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, love God, revere God, awe God and turn away from your healing. And look at the promise here. It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshing To your bones. Our foundation has to be, I trust God no matter what, I'm gonna be faithful to God no matter what. Here's what you can't control, how others trust him and how others are faithful to him. You can only control that in your life. But I'm not building a house for everybody else, I'm building a house for me and my family. And I'm gonna build a foundation of trusting God and faithfulness to God. He goes on in Proverbs three, I'm gonna run through some of these. Write down the address, don't worry about all the text, if you're taking notes, all of you should be taking notes, I can see you not taking notes. I'm glad I did all this work for you. Proverbs 3, 25 and six, don't be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. How many of us are living in that world right now? Every time we turn on national news, we panic, we freak out, we're so scared. Don't be afraid, because my foundation is not in what CNN and MSNBC say. My foundation is in that of the Lord. I belong to a kingdom, not of this world. Don't be afraid of sudden terror, ruin, or the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and the Lord will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 16, three, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The heart of man, Proverbs 69, the heart of man plans his way. Like make plans, decide on where you're going to school, get a career path, but the Lord establishes your steps. My confidence is not in my hustle. My confidence is not in my plan. Cause how many of you know, even though I do all the hustle and grind and get all the ducks in a row, God's plans will be established. Proverbs 28 verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, what's the foundation of our house? What are the footers, what are the, what are the digging deep things we wanna lay a foundation with? It's I trust God over everything and I'll be faithful to God no matter what. We're gonna pour the footers of our lives with a life of faithfulness under God. There's a promise and a blessing of success and blessing and favor and good for your bones, all of those things when we choose to have a good foundation of trust in and faithfulness to The Lord, let me encourage all of you. Some of you are sitting here going, well, I've already blown it for so many years. I've had difficult, I haven't been faithful to God. We serve a from today forward God. Aren't you so thankful? And you can give the rest of your years to trust the Lord and to be faithful to him. Choose today. God, I'm gonna live for you and I'm gonna trust you with my whole heart. Okay, so we got foundations poured. It's set, the concrete is firm. Nobody's gonna move me from trusting God and faithfulness to God. So now let's, put the walls up. Let's frame the walls of our life with godly family, godly relationships, marriage, parenting, family, and I should have added on here, and friendships. Listen to me, we talked about it in the first week. The companion of fools suffers harm, but the person who walks with wise becomes wise. Your family, who you do life with, your ride or die is super important. Do not let the world choose your friendships for you. You need to choose the people you do life with. You need to choose your investment in your family is way more important than your investment in your job, in your fun times, or in yourself. Who you invest your life into is the framing of the house we are building. How many of you know that you can have a foundation and footers, but you're not secure, you're not safe, you're not sheltered until you start framing and putting a roof on that thing? And how many of you know too, like the framing of the house begins to hold the house together and that's the thing that presents to the rest of the neighborhood. Nobody drives by a house going, look at the foundation on that thing. Nobody drives by your neighborhood going, look at all the decorations inside. All they see is the house you framed and put together and the life you're building with relationships. This is why your small groups matter, your family, your marriage, all of this is so important because the life you're building is framed by relationships together. Husbands and wives, look at me, build your marriage. Some of us are like, well, grass is greener on the other side. Grass is greener where you water it, I promise you. Grass is greener where you invest. Wives, look at your man and say, I'm gonna I'm, go back out on a date with you. I wanna build our marriage. I wanna forgive and move on and get counsel. Parents, lead your kids. The culture is fighting for your kids like crazy, but you're the one to build a life. You're the one to frame the family that you're building. You are the primary disciple makers of your children, not TikTok, Instagram, the public schools. Nobody is given charge over your kids by God, except you. Kids, listen to me honor and respect and obey your parents. This is good from God. This isn't just a bunch of parents getting together saying, Mike, please tell my kids to listen to me. This is God's word for your life. And if you wanna be a part of the framing of a life that we hand back to the Lord as a great house, kids, hush your mouth and listen to your parents. And speak when appropriate and respectfully. I'm not telling you never to talk, I'm just saying. Listen, we gotta build our lives and the relationships we build them with are so important. Let's just give you some Proverbs. I'm gonna give this to you quick. Now for all the married folks, if you're single, listen, guard your purity, guard your singleness. Listen, you need to have ride or die people that are pushing you to Christ. Watch this, Proverbs five for all you married folks. I love this text and I'm probably gonna embarrass my wife here. Drink water from your own cistern. Some of you non-farmers are like, what's a sister? And here's Mike's international version. Get Kool-Aid out your own punch bowl, bruh. Like get your own, get, get your Kool-Aid out your own fridge. Quit going to your boy's house and drinking from his fridge with his wife. That's exactly what this phrase is talking about. Drink water from your own sister. And it's saying, like, enjoy your own marriage. Flowing water from your own well. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Fellas, for you, a burly buck, a big old moose. Ladies, when you get home today, just look at your man and say, come here, moose. Mike said, drink Kool-Aid from my own fridge. Call him Bucky. Bucky. Look your wife in the face and say, come here, (laughs) Doe. For real, (laughs) Doe. That's, all right, anyway. Some of you got that, some of you not so sure. Here we go, this is Bible. Let her breasts fill you at all times. And when we start getting full by the breasts of another, the one's on video, we're not building a house that we can give back to God. Ladies, you need to look at your husband and say, I wanna be satisfied by you. I'm gonna stay right there because I got, I'm gonna get inappropriate in a second. <laughs> let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in the love of each other. Why should you be intoxicated? The proverb says, This is our blueprint. We're building a house. Could you imagine your builder coming and saying, Hey, we're gonna build a house. We're gonna frame three of the four walls with a OVB, VBS board, whatever it is. And then the third wall we're gonna do with jello. <laughs> but we're gonna let it sit out in the sun for a couple of days to cure and get real strong. That's what many of us are doing. We're framing parts of our lives in good relationships, but then we've got this one back room side of our house that we're just not framing it right. Hey, be intoxicated with your bride and your husband. Why would you be intoxicated with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Y'all didn't know that was in your Bible, did you? Uh huh. Read it. If you're married, enjoy your married, your marriage. Pursue your spouse more than your kids. Look your kids in the face and say she was here before you. She'll be here after you. I don't care what you say. Go have a play date with your friends because I'm going out with your mama. I want you to love your spouse more than your kids and tell them. Build a home, build a marriage. Hey, guard against this, watch this. How many of you know when we build houses, we put security systems on it and fences around the backyard, don't we? Well, Some of us need to put some security on outside relationships. Proverbs 6, says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Shaquille O'Neal, after losing his family to an affair, he said, I lost my family. I lost valuable and important years with my kids. And I was all alone in a 100,000 square feet house because he didn't put security up around his home. We're building lives and homes with walls and structure healthy. All of Proverbs 5 is this massive warning against the devastation that comes from adultery. I've never known a couple in 25 years of marriage that can tell me the greatest thing I ever did was dip out on my covenant with my spouse and get involved with somebody else. We're gonna build a house that we can hand to God one day and we're gonna safeguard this house. Parents, build your kids and families. Don't let TikTok build your kids. Proverbs 15:5. kids, listen to me, students, young adults, teenagers, listen, a fool despises his father's instruction. If you just look at your parents and go, you're such an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, you're the fool. You know what the Bible also says is foolish? Like it's equally as the person who says there's no God is also called a fool. So if you reject God and you reject the authority God gave in your parents, you're equally foolish. Man, how many of you wish you can go back and hear that again at 12 years old? We cause so many, many of us teenagers, young adults, we just cause so much pain to our parents, and we think, well, they just don't understand it. They're just controlling. You're foolish if you reject your parents' instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Let's move on. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. The Bible doesn't say whoever spares the child spoils a child. It says whoever spares the rod hates. You love your kid less than fully if you won't disciple and discipline. The root word of discipline is discipleship. That means you need to open the Bible with your kids. Ask your kids to turn their screens off, to shut their computers, to, to step into the, the living room with the folks and just read the proverb of the day, like disciple your kids. How can I pray for you? What are you going through in school? Proverbs 17, grandchildren are the crown of the age. How many grandparents would say this is way better? Right? It's like your reward for not killing your kids. I've heard people say grandchildren make having kids worth it. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, but hey, come on now and the glory of children is their fathers. We're gonna build a house that looks like God's word. Our culture doesn't like this. Our culture is literally trying to legislate and pass laws to pull parents out of the decision-making place. Parents, do not be afraid to parent your kids. Do not be afraid of what the culture says because my trust, my foundation is in God and his word, not the courts, not what state passes what laws, not what our teachers are teaching, not what our schools are saying. I love our schools, I pray for our schools, but the word of God is parenting, helping me parent my kids. Proverbs twenty twenty: 20, if somebody curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out into utter darkness. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. This is our blueprint. God's our general contractor. The framing of our house, the framing of our life. Pick your friends wisely. We are, we are people that love God. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We don't allow our kids to run our lives. We don't allow our kids to run around with people that don't help build the life we're building. Could you imagine letting an arsonist best friend into your ha- wooden house? And some of us have let relationships around our kids because we don't wanna offend our children and we wanna be amicable and we've let arsonists in our wooden house. We gotta protect our home and train up and build a house that we can present to God. Third thing, when you wanna put power to the house, how many of you know you lay a foundation, you frame it up, and then what? You can't wait till the electrician and the water company shows up. How many of you know a fully built house with no power, electricity, or gas is not livable? So we wanna put the, uh, the fuel of our house, the power supply of self-control and integrity and character. We're gonna build a house that says, man, you can do whatever you want, but as for me and my house, we live this way under God's leadership. We live in a world that's pulling us in every direction, on every social issue, sexual issue, drugs, alcoholic, and, and our culture is saying it's not a big deal as long as we're not hurting anybody. Here's a, here's a, here's a phrase you can cop uh, for, for your family as people are trying to pull you and your family away or your friend group and they're trying to pull you away from God's best. Here's the phrase, you ready? Here's what you can say to others. Say, you can, but I won't. That's how I feel about alcohol. I got a lot of friends that love drinking and just love it and even ministers that drink and this is my attitude. is like, you can, but I won't. I'm not bringing that in my house around my kids. Are you kidding me? Drugs, sexual immorality, looking at pornography, watching movies with nudity in it. Hey, you can, that's on you. But as for me and my house, no, no, no. The fuel of my family, the fuel of the life I'm building is gonna be a fuel of integrity and character and faithfulness and self-control to God. Listen, otherwise we're a house built with no power. You may have it totally framed with great paint and, and shiplap on the outside and Chip and Joanna put some fruit bowls on the front porch too. It just looks amazing but the power is in our integrity and character before God. I got foundations, I trust him. Now the fuel is I live with him all the time. Proverbs 2 says, the Lord stores up sound wisdom for the upright and God himself is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Proverbs 3, three through four, don't ever let love and loyalty leave you. Tie these things around your neck, write them on your heart, then God will be pleased. God will think well of you and so will everybody else. How many of you know we love people with character and integrity? Proverbs eleven three. the integrity of the upright guides their lives but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. I gotta get through these quick. Proverbs ten nine says, whoever walks in integrity walks with security. How many of you know you're not afraid of anything when you're living right? It's when we walk, we walk with like secrets and scandal. I can't tell you how many people are like, you start lying, then you gotta cover the lie. And you walk with no security when you're just constantly living out of self-control. But the power of this life we're building It's we're being fueled with character. Did you know that character is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? This is one of my things that I I just shake my head when people say, I can't control myself. I can't help myself. I gave into sexual temptation. I I gave into addiction again. Like I understand the power of the flesh. Trust me, I pastored for a long time. But I understand the power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than your flesh. And here's what God's word says in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit in you includes self control. So for you to say, I can't control means I don't believe God will help me control. But the fuel of the life we want to build, the power current going through, I mean, if you know, you got to get the power turned on, you got to pay your bills, you got to stay current. This is why we spend time with God. This is why we're in small groups. This is why we go to church because we're building a life fueled with integrity and character. Look at this, Proverbs 11, 10-9. whoever walks in integrity, walks securely. Proverbs 25, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Does anyone feel the stress of our southern border situation? Has anyone else felt the stress and the concern? Now I get the like humanitarian side of us and we're like, okay, but is anybody else watching the news going, we're vulnerable, we feel exposed as a nation, a person without self-control, we're creating vulnerability for everyone around us. We're like a city broken into and left without walls, the fuel of our lives is character, self-control, and integrity. A fool gives vent to his spirit right away, but a wise man holds himself back. We've taught our girls integrity is what you do when no one is watching. Part of living our life under Christ. How many of you know, nobody looks up at a house and goes, wow, look at all the power going through those wires. You know what I love about your house? The water in the pipes. Nobody sees it, that's integrity. It's character. It's what fuels the life that we're building. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? The final part of our our house that we're building. So we've laid a foundation of trusting God. We framed it with God honoring relationships and family. And we're living daily with God's power of integrity and character and self-control. And then we wanna have a culture. How many of you know you walk in a house and it smells away and it feels away and the furniture and the colors on the wall creates a vibe and an atmosphere. And we want a culture of generosity culture of giving and compassion for others. Listen, God so loved the world that he gave. God was always thinking about setting a table for others. So financial integrity and generosity, you go, why in the world would I go there? Jesus talked more about money and its impact on our lives and our family than he talked about even heaven or hell or faith. Jesus said, money's a thing that'll pull away your attention from God and it'll destroy your family. I think the culture of a home needs to be a culture of generosity, good stewardship, compassion, Watch what he says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. Here's your tithe mentioned right here. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your life. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with new wine. Proverbs 2, he who has, sorry, goodness gracious. Fire that guy, whoever he is up there. (laughs) Proverbs 2, he who has a slack hand, lazy, becomes poor. I'm always surprised with people that won't work and they're like, nothing ever goes my way. (laughs) Yeah, including employment. (laughs) Do you know the Bible says a person who won't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever? Walk this way. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Whoever oppresses a poor man. Look, if you take advantage of people that are down on their luck and hurting, you're insulting God. But who is generous to the needy this is why we tithe and give and partner and because we wanna honor God. Look at this, the rich rules over the poor. They're the ones that make decisions. They're the ones that are able to even to provide for the poor and the borrower, slave or the lender. Don't be a, a frivolous borrower. Did you know the Bible says not to be fruitful, fruitlessly borrowing money? Don't be co-signing on loans, but be a giver and a generous person. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich to increase his own wealth will only come to poverty. God will not be mocked. What you reap, you'll sow. What you sow, you'll reap, right? Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but whoever hides his eyes will get many things. So how do we do this? Like I want us to build a culture of generosity and, and service to other people, but now we're building this house and why? What's the why behind the what? And this is the last thing I wanna say and then we're gonna close, we're out of time. Have y'all got anything out of this so far? We're building a foundation of trust in God. We're framing our house in good relationships in our marriage, our family, our kids. We're empowered with integrity and self-control and we furnish our house with character and generosity and good stewardship, why? Because we're building a home that's not even for us. When I think about the church we're building on Tiny Town, that's for Christians that haven't even been born yet that 25 years from now will come to church on that campus and give their lives to Jesus. We, we built this place for people that were never even here. Thousands of you come to the Rossview campus and we decided in 2016 to build a place for you. We are in a multi-generational effort called building the kingdom of God. And the same is true of the life we build. Listen to me, we're laying the foundations, we're framing the house, we're empowering it with character and we're furnishing with, with character and generosity. Why? Proverbs 13, 22, because a good man A good woman leaves an inheritance for his children's children. This is not just you leave a big 401k or a big pot of money. I don't have a problem with that. For some of your kids, it's the worst thing you could do for them. What's the greater inheritance? As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. You know what my greatest hope one day is that my kids serve Jesus without me prompting them, without my discipleship that I become a brother and sister with my kids instead of a spiritual father trying to lead them to Christ, that we're walking with Christ together. The greatest inheritance I'll ever leave for my kids is a life built and framed with trust in God, framed around love for God and relationships with God, with integrity under God and generosity as a culture for God, that my kids would carry that on. Recently, my wife and I met with a couple who have a farm and an estate And they were going through some things and the Lord has brought some real tremendous breakthrough. And the husband said in that conversation, he said, I want us to put a marker on our property somewhere. That one day when our grandkids walk by that marker, they'll say, look what the Lord did in our grandparents. I want you to think about the multi-generational nature of the life you're building. In Joshua 4, when they finally cross into the promised land, as soon as they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua said, hey, I want 12 stones out of the river and let's build a pile of rocks as a memorial to remind future generations of all the Lord has done. I wanna say this and then we're gonna pray. The reason we wanna build a life for God is for two things, so that we can stand before God one day and say, Lord, I built this life for you. And so that we can, before we say that to God, look at our kids and grandkids and say, I built this life for God and I'm handing this life to you. God, we thank you so much. We don't exist for our own self. We're putting an end in mind. We're putting a future on display. God, we wanna build a life that honors you and sets up the next generation to follow Jesus. Our world is destroying so many of the fabric of culture and family that you designed and we're gonna come back to your playbook. You're still a good contractor. Your plans still work and they're still true. So Lord, as a church family today, we commit to build a life that we can hand to you and hand off to the next generation. Lord, would you help us, I pray. Can you open your hands to the Lord? Come on, church. God, would you help us build a life around Jesus, build a life around your word. You are the great contractor. Lord, we put our trust in you. We lay a firm foundation of trust in God and walking with God. We frame our house with right relationships with our family, our marriage, our kids. And God, we say we wanna be fueled with character and integrity and a life in obedience to the, to the word of God. And Lord, with a culture of care and compassion and generosity under the Lord, that we may hand it back to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you that the end is in mind. We're gonna build accordingly in Jesus' name that you would be pleased. Everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in you. You are the Lord of my whole life, the Lord of my heart, the Lord of my family, the Lord of my whole world. Say, God, I'm all in. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sin and raised from the dead to give me new life and to call me to build this life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I give myself completely to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless these church members, God. Bless this family, I pray. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen, everyone. We're so happy that you joined us today. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday.